0: But uh, when you think about a hero, I actually looked up the definition. I was pretty unimpressed. They said a hero is remarkably brave. It's true. Somebody who's admired. Uh, someone with superhuman powers. Um, and then it said admired for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. And then the last one was a long sandwich. So, uh, <laughs> so that's what we'll look at and talk about today. Uh, no, but. What was interesting, though, when Christian and I were talking about uh, heroes, and, uh, and it was interesting, last week we kind of asked, I, at least I was in the red box, and just asked who your heroes were, and most, of you, most people over there chose people they know. You know, just people, fathers, uh, significant people in their life who've just, who have been these things with admirable qualities and, and something that they look to. But when you, when you go to a, a superhero, I guess maybe a superhero, when you go to a somebody who's really, I think you call them a hero, they're never called that unless they rescue somebody. Unless there's some major conflict and they come in and they're the ones who fight for justice. They stand for what's right. They come in and they save the day and that's what a hero does Um, because every story good story whether Captain America was good or not but whatever every good story is one that has a major conflict and then there's a hero who comes in and helps resolve that and at the end we all walk out feeling good because Savior came and saved the day And I've heard before that the reason every good story has that quality in it is because every really good story that we like is just a subplot of the greater story, the real story that's happening in the world, one in which there is a ton of conflict, one in which there is ridiculous amounts of injustice and pain and suffering, and that God is the ultimate hero. And really, he's always working to rescue. He's always working to redeem and to restore things. But what's really crazy, you guys, is when you open up the Bible, what you find is you'll see this God who is working to bring things back. Even Jesus, when he came, he said, I'm coming to bring in the kingdom of God. So there's this other kingdom in the world we talked about a couple of weeks ago when I shared this hot dog bun thing. There's this kingdom of the world where people live for themselves and they get caught up in this little world. It's just the essence of sin and it just messes up everything. And Jesus said, I'm gonna usher in something completely different. I'm gonna come as the savior of this world. And I'm going to bring that to you. But what's wild is when you open up the Bible, God is constantly working to restore, redeem, to save, but he always uses a person. He uses a person. And the series that we're doing, we're calling it The Unlikely Hero because that's the other great part about the Bible is when God wants to use a hero, man, it's never anybody who you'd think would actually be the hero. So that should be good news to all of us, right? Right? That it doesn't matter at all who you are. God is working. He's using people. And I just want to tell you, here's, I believe this, and for the next five weeks, we're going to kind of be looking at the life of Moses, who's captain Israel, I guess you could say, and look at his life and see. Was that bad? I heard some moans. I'm sorry, you know. But uh, we're going to be looking at his life to see what happens when God can enter into a person's, normal person's life. And make them into a hero. And I, what I want to tell you today, I believe this with all my heart. I was sitting there thinking about this last night, or uh, yesterday. There's not one of you sitting in this room. There is not one of you sitting in this room that God does not want to enlist to be a hero. And I, I, I hopefully, maybe when we get done today, you'll see why. <laughs> that your life really matters who you are, and what God wants to do to you. He wants to use you to help rescue somebody, to literally help save somebody. He wants to use you to stand up against justice for another person. He wants you to live your life for the benefit of others. And so that's what we're going to look at today, is the making of a hero. And we're going to see how God did that in Exodus chapter 2 today when he kind of started working around Moses's life. All right, so let's pray. And as I pray, I'm just gonna pray for you. And then you too, you have the option today. This is what's amazing about God is I know he's gonna be here in our midst and I know he's gonna speak. And all he needs is a heart that says, I'm open to you speaking to me. I'm open to that. I'm gonna soften up my heart and give you a chance, God, to show me. Do you really, really, do you want me to be a hero? And how would that look? So let's pray. Father, um, as you look into the heart of every person who's sitting here today, there's part of me that just hopes you'll shock them. I pray that you might just, uh, come here and maybe reveal something that nobody else has really thought of before about the life that they could live on this earth right here, right now with you. And so, um, Lord, we're just going to open up your word. We're going to ask you to speak through it. I'm going to ask you right now, would you take this person that I am? And Jesus, would you literally just take the words and go right into people's hearts, open their ears, help them to hear. And we'll just hope that by the time we're done here today, that we'll have a better understanding of the life that you want us to live. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, um, we do have a little clip from Captain America that we, that we want to show you that, uh, that kind of t- give you a little bit of a, an understanding of the making of a hero and how that happened. So if you, if you, and if you haven't seen the movie, this is just stuff from the, uh, from the trailer, so don't freak out, okay? But this will give you just a little feel of uh, our superhero and how unlikely he was, okay? Watch this. Rogers, Stephen. Give me a chance. Sorry, son. I'm saving your life. General Patton has said that wars are fought with weapons, but they are won by men. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. Our goal is to create the greatest army in history. I should be going with you. Look, I know you don't think I can do this. This isn't a back alley, Steve. It's war. Every army begins with one man. Five tries in five different cities. I can offer you a chance. He will be the first in a new breed of super soldiers. Why me? Because weak men lose the value of strength. Lose the value of power. That wasn't so bad. That was penicillin. We are going to win this because we have the best men. Now, Mr. Stark. The name will personally escort Adolf Hitler to the gates of hell. I didn't see that little tagline. <laughs> that was pretty good. And just like that, you guys, this little dude, this scrawny little person who can't even get into the armed forces is made into this superhero by just coming into this little, uh, you know, what cubicle thing, closing the door and having all the, I mean, it's awesome. Within 30 seconds, your life can be completely transformed. That's what I'm going to share with you today. <laughs> 30 sweet minutes here and you'll be a completely different person. No. All right. But here's what I want to tell you. That dude walked in there. There was no way. He had nothing in himself to be able to be any type of great hero within the armed forces. And what you find in scripture, you guys, is this. No one ever made themselves a hero. In the Bible, nobody ever made themselves a hero. And that's a really, really great point. There are no self-made heroes. Every true hero in the Bible partnered with the true hero, God, who's always working. The people that joined him in that, they were always made by God. God is the one who always made people the heroes, And they were spiritually really scrawny. Their character was messed up. They did not have what it took to be a hero. And God comes in and does it anyway. Now, when God moves and does something in your life that you can't do, do you guys know what that's called? It's called grace. It's a New Testament term because we're saved by grace, right? We're saved by this work that God does in your life that you can't do for yourself. You can't save yourself. In fact, just throw that out there again here today. There is no way that any person can bring themselves up to a standard to appease God. It just can't happen. So God comes in and he does something for you that you couldn't do, and it's awesome. But what uh, what grace is, you guys, grace is any time that God moves into someone's life and enables them to do something they couldn't do. And you find God doing that all the time, and that's what I want to look at. I want to show you in Moses' life how God was unbelievably full of grace and how we worked in his life in ways that Moses could, could never have done himself. And what I'm hoping might happen as we do this is this maybe, and what, what we've been praying for for this day, is that maybe God would open up your eyes to see how he actually has been pouring grace all around you and within you so that you could join him in what he's doing to save the world. So as I'm talking through this, guys, please don't forget, God loves the world. That's why he sent Christ. And it's why Christ came was so that he could literally live within us now to help partner with him and I just think God's grace has been all around us. And that's what I'm going to try to show you today. So let me give just a little bit of context. If you've never been uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, if you read chapter one, what you're going to find is that, uh, that the Israelites have actually been in Egypt for a really long time. Hundreds of years, actually. They got, they got there, you know, through Joseph. It's an Old Testament story where Joseph came in, and he rose up into power, and then all of his brothers came. All the Israelite clan came eventually, and they settled there. And then God had great favor on them. It says they multiplied. They became this huge nation, and they had favor from the king. And then that king died. And eventually a king rose up who had no idea who Joseph was, And he started to have major anxiety about this nation that was growing up and becoming so large and powerful. So he made a decree. First thing he did is he actually put major oppression on the people. Hardcore slavery, making them work hard, just trying to totally crush their spirits, and then he was still freaking out because they kept growing and growing and growing. So he made a decree that said, here's what we're going to do. I'm asking all the midwives that when a baby boy is born, if a girl is born, you can keep her alive. If a boy is born, you toss him into the river. And he wants to kill all of the babies. All right? So that's, the, that's kind of his plan. Very ridiculous, sick plan. And what happens is in uh, Exodus chapter 2, we find that this baby is born. And here's where Moses comes on the scene. Look at here. Here we go. A man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid... That sounds Southern, doesn't it? He was a fine child. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. All right. She hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer... She got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch, and then she placed the child in it, put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile, and his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it, saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. And then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby, nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. All right. So here's the first point I want to make to you, which you'll find all over in Scripture, and I'm hoping you'll see it in your life. And here it is. God's grace is working behind the scenes. God's grace is working behind the scenes. God is always doing things in and around our lives that we have no control over, that he's working to create heroes within us. So in Moses, first of all, he has a mother who would do anything to save his life, who's creative and comes up with this plan to put him in the basket and put him down the river. And then Pharaoh's daughter just coincidentally came to the river at that time. Now, I'm going to tell you, one of the coolest things is as soon as you start to walk with God, you're going to see all these coincidences happening. I mean, seriously, you will open up your eyes and be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe all these coincidences. And then you'll finally realize there are no coincidences. There aren't. So, and then she has compassion on him. I mean, seriously, what if she was just caught up in her father, the Pharaoh's, you know, anger towards Israel? She could have saw the, this a Hebrew baby drowned him. (laughs) But no, she had compassion on him. And then he ends up actually living in the house of Pharaoh. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Now, what you have to realize is how much did Moses have to do with what just happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There were just circumstances that happened around his life, and what you'll see is that God's grace, undeserved favor, is working all around us all the time for His purposes. And I just got to tell you, I love the irony of the story that Pharaoh's very decree to have baby boys killed is what put the eventual deliverer into his own house. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's just it's just awesome. And I just want to say right there, you guys, God is always working in and through the circumstances of our life, and he's always working in and through the circumstances of this world. And here's the deal. You can't see it. Nobody in that moment had any idea what God was up to. (laughs) They're just trying to save a baby. (laughs) And this woman who has compassion, it's a baby, you know, give me a baby. Some of you guys have that baby itch, right? You just, just gotta it's a baby. That's all that's going on in here. And God behind the scenes is going, this guy's wicked plan to destroy, I'm gonna use. And in this world, in the ridiculous, horrific things that we see in your own lives and the stuff that we go through, God is at work to redeem and to rescue. Now, the other thing that's really interesting is here is even for the Israelites, God was working behind the scenes for the Israelites. The fact that they were led from Canaan, which is going to be their promised land, into Egypt is very likely the very thing that helped them to form into a large nation. Because where Canaan was, you had Egypt over here, and you had Canaan, the strip of land, and then you had all these powerful empires in the north. And so there was this pathway right through Canaan that they would go through all the time. And one person that I was reading when I was studying this week said, if they had tried to grow into a large army, they would have been in constant conflict all the time. So here's God in his providence again, even moving the Israelites into Egypt, giving them favor through Joseph so that they could grow and form into a mighty nation. But now here's the thing you know about the Israelites too. Here's where God works again in his providence. Is all You know the Israelites, there's no way they wanted to leave there. This is good. This is great. We got it going. We got a safety. The Pharaoh likes us. Everything's great. But God's eternal plan was to move them back in to Canaan. So this guy comes up with this plan, puts major oppression on his people, and then what happens? The Israelites are like, hey, we want out of here. God's like, perfect. Perfect timing. You're ready now to move where I want to take you. See, God is so far beyond our ability to comprehend, working through every situation and every circumstance to get us where he wants us to be. Now, Romans 8, 28, and if if you've been a Christian at all, you're like, you know, it's one of those verses that gets said so much that sometimes you just lose the significance of it, but all you have to do is be going through a really, really tough, confusing time, and the verse you'll hold on to is Romans 8.28. That's why it's so popular. And here's what it says. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. You guys, God's grace is at work behind the scenes to do things that we can't imagine. He's working in your life right now. A couple other verses you can throw up on the screen that, are just, that I just, you know, I don't have time to unpack them, but I just want to put them up here. Ephesians 1.11 says, "In Him, we were, In Christ we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God will work in everything for the purpose of his will. Acts 17, 26 and 27. Paul here, he's he's declaring, he's teaching, he's trying to help people understand what God's doing. And he says, God determined the times set for them, the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Yes, this is what's hitting me. Your circumstances right now, in them, he's using to help create you into a hero and the circumstances of your life are exactly where God wants you to be, to be a hero. Now, I'm not sure how you feel about that, but I'm telling you, in my life, as I look back at what God has done and the movement of his his work in my own life, to know right now in this time, in this place, that God has set you here. Some of you are here today right now in this building because God has said, I'm gonna place you in Salt Lake City in 2011 in July. And I don't know how you got here, but God is saying, I want you in this church service this day because I'm working in your life. And I know for Susie and I, like when I read that passage, you guys, I realize that God has worked in amazing circumstances. I believe with all of my heart, That I'm supposed to be living in Sugar House in Salt Lake City in 2011 on this day. And God is working in my life and in my circumstances all around me. And He's working in yours all around you. It is no accident that you're here. It is no accident that you live where you live. There is no accident. God is using all circumstances. His grace is working around you. And I, I, so I just went through my story, and I just thought, the fact that I grew up in Lapeer, Michigan, you know? Yeah, where's that? Hey, it's... Okay. It's in the middle of nowhere. No, it's, it's, but I grew, to grow up in Lapeer, Michigan, in the family that I did, ending up in a United Methodist church where one day I'm just going to a service just like you guys are, and a guy comes and speaks the message of the truth of God's love for me through Christ and heard the invitation to receive forgiveness from God so that I could join into relationship with him. And I've shared this story so many times, but I'm just just an 11-year-old kid going to church, not liking it. And I'm in the service, and God grabs my heart. And that was his grace. I wasn't looking for him. I didn't want God. He'd mess everything up. Isn't that how some of you feel? If I get guys he'll mess everything up. But when he comes by his grace and he starts, I mean, it's just amazing. The circumstances were perfect for me in there. And then I majored in education. I want to teach high school and coach football. And then my brother-in-law tells me about this church that he says yeah, I think you should think about doing youth ministry. I'm like, that's weird. And then another guy comes up to me who leads that department at our college, and he says, hey, Dave, there's a guy who's coming to interview a guy for a youth ministry position. I gave him your name. I'm like, okay. I go, I guess that'll be a good, you know, interview experience. And it just happens to be the guy that my brother-in-law was telling me about. I sit down for the interview, and he tells me where he's from. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It was just a coincidence, by the way. It wasn't, man. I ended up in Carrollton, Ohio. Now, that's where you should say, where? <laughs> How my face got on an Ohio driver's license, I'll never know. That is the grace of God, too. Um, but I, I'm in Carrollton, Ohio, and this guy has this great... I'm, I'm 22 years old, majored in social studies. And he says, hey, I'd like you to speak every month. I'm like, are you kidding me? The poor church, you know. But he gives me this opportunity To speak. And then he says, and I don't want just a youth group for our church. He goes, I want to put something for the whole community. So we developed this youth center right down by the high school so that all kids who have no interaction at all with church could come and hear about the love and the grace of God. Well, then my brother just happens to be working with a guy in Detroit who wants to start a church and he needs a youth pastor. And so, you know, I just happened to come up there and meet him. And I don't know. And then in 10 minutes, his story is as soon as I met Dave, I'm like, this needs, he's the guy. And next thing you know, I'm—and just by the way, right at that time, I knew I had hit a wall. And I just didn't know what to do. So I'm starting to look around, and then boom, I get an invitation to go up and be part of a team to plan a church in Detroit. And what's wild is they want to plan a church for people who don't go to church. And I'm like, that's like my youth program that I just did for three years. It was just a coincidence, though, that what I did for three years— and so then I get in there. They already have two teachers. The church is going in a month. And Steve looks at me and he says, hey, I want you to speak. I'm like, "Are you? Okay. all right. So again, this opportunity comes. And things just keep happening like that. And then I go to California to work on my master's, you know, to get really smart, to be a really good teacher, right? And I go out there in California, and all God does is just dig a hole, throw me in, and cover me over with dirt. Yeah, it's not funny. How many of you have had God do that to you? That ain't funny. And seriously, it had nothing to do with seminary. God just looked at me for a year and a half and He said, "Dude, you love other things more than me," and so I'm going to take all those things away. I mean, just crazy to me. That's what I met Sue's, and that's an amazing story. I can't even get into all the circumstances that happened to get us together. Living in Southern Cal, she's in Montana. We meet in New Mexico. I mean, come on. It's nuts. And then all of a sudden, this dude who played football for the University of Utah gets drafted by the Lions, poor guy, and uh, ends up coming to our church and he hears the gospel and he gives his life to Christ. Walks into our church and says, Salt Lake needs a church like this. He and Rebecca just happened to be listening to me speak one day. Gets in the car and says, I'm going to ask Dave Nelson. She goes, I'm thinking the same thing. You guys know the story. Next thing you know, you know, we packed up our bags and moved to Beverly Hills. You know? Now, I mean, we're in, so here we are in Salt Lake City. And, 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 and all of this stuff, you guys see, what's wild was I never asked to teach. I never wanted to be in ministry. Ministers are weird. There's males, females, and pastors, right? It's just this weird deal. I'm like, no. I, I just feel like my whole existence has been God's grace working in the circumstances of my life and i just want to ask you this morning do you see what he's been doing do you see who he's connected you with do you realize he loves you he's calling you to himself your life matters eternally you're supposed to be a hero every one of you are And He's doing stuff all around you and in you and moving and connecting and just calling you so you can be a hero. And it's all His grace. And I just want to encourage you to open your eyes and see what He's doing. Because God's grace is working behind the scenes of your life to make you the hero that you're meant to be, all right? That's the first thing. Here's the second point. God's grace is working in our hearts God's grace is working in our hearts. Now, when you hear the word heart, what I'm talking about, the Bible, when the Bible uses the word heart, it's the very core of who you are, okay? It's the inner being, as we're going to see here in just a second. And here's what I want you to see. Check this out. This is so cool. God will use the uniqueness of who he made you to be. Here's what I want you to see. For the unique hero he wants you to be. God is going to be, he's going to use the uniqueness of who he's made you to be so that you can be the unique hero that he wants you to be. How'd this happen? Let's look uh, back to Exodus 2, verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and they watched him and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people glancing this way and that and seeing no one he killed the egyptian and hid him in the sand the next day he went out and saw two hebrews fighting so he asked the one in the wrong and he said why are you hitting your fellow hebrew and the man said who made you ruler and judge over us are you thinking of killing me as you killed the egyptian then moses was afraid and he thought what i did must have become known when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled, with, fled from Pharaoh, and he went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the, thought, fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along, and they drove them away. But Moses got up, and he came to their rescue, and he watered their flock. And when the girls returned to rule their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? Oh, I'm actually going to stop right there. So here's, when I read the story this time, and this was a really cool new insight for me. What do you see in Moses naturally? In this story, what do you see within Moses? Anger? Is it righteous anger? Hello? Okay. What do you see in, in Moses? Did you guys see anything? What's that? I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah, he felt a lot of grief for doing that and fear. Okay, okay, so here's what it is, though. Look at what Moses is doing naturally. He looks out, and some dude's pummeling his people. And what's he do? Oh, man, I'm not going in there. No, he rises up, and he goes in, and he rescues the dude. Now, a little radically, but he rescues the guy. He walks in the next day, and he sees another guy in the wrong, pummeling another guy, and what does he do? He steps into the situation. He flees to Midian, and here's seven daughters trying to do some water, and these guys come in, and they shoo them away. What does Moses do? He comes in. He cares about these people. He's looking at the underdog. He's looking at the injustice, and he doesn't just sit around. He actually does something. So naturally, Moses has this thing that rises up within him who says, I can't just sit here. I gotta do something when I see injustice. Now, What did he end up doing? Moses ended up being the deliverer that God used for his whole people. And I saw this in the story, and I'm like, oh my goodness, look at this, you guys. Who Moses was naturally, God came in and redeemed and restored and used supernaturally. You guys catching that? This is really fun. Here's what I want you to see. God's grace has worked in creating your heart naturally. He's worked in creating your heart naturally. Let me me just ask you this. How many of you chose your personality? Anybody anybody do that? You know, when you're in your womb, you're like, man, I'd really like to be fun, you know, have a great personality and, you know, just be, you know, really cool. You know, you didn't have any choice. You are who you are. And how many of you have looked at your personality and just went, God, I hate why did I get this one? I mean, I think every one of us at some point struggles with who you are. And the point is, God's grace, this undeserved work of God, just made you who you are. And you had no say in it. Just like Moses. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. Great passage says this. David, the psalm, the king, says, God, you created my inmost being. See, not just physically. Yeah, you got that too. You had no say, right? In your physical presence. You had no say in your inmost being. Your DNA is set. And I love the fact that these guys didn't know DNA, but he knew this. God, who I am at my core, you have created. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And see, so there's something naturally that God just put in noses by his own grace. And what's really interesting, you guys you see this lots in the scripture, just two other examples. One, in the New Testament, you've got Peter, right? And Peter is just this rash, loudmouthed guy who's always sticking his foot in his mouth. He's always just going ahead of where he really shouldn't go. But he's just, I just would love to meet this guy. I I don't know how you picture Peter, but man, he's just this big, burly, never shaves, hair unkept, kind of guy. That's who he was naturally. What did he end up being? the very rock, the very foundation for the church. He was the guy who, when, the person, when Jesus rose from the dead and came back and, and empowered them now with his spirit, who, was it who got out front and led? That crazy fisherman <laughs> who naturally just had that. And then God restores it and redeems it and uses it. And then you've got Paul, who, who was Saul. And what do you know about Saul? That dude was zealous for God. He was the one who was killing all the Christians because they gotta be wrong because this is how it is. And I've been trained and I know stuff. And he was intellectual and deep and he studied deeply and he got all that. And then when he ran into Jesus, his life was radically changed. And yet who he had been naturally, God restored and redeemed. And now he took his amazing intellect and his unbelievable zeal and he lived it out for Christ. So here's my question for you. Who are you? What's your personality? What are you naturally good at? What interests do you already possess? And I just want to say, I think it's because God's grace created that within you. You know, it's weird for me. I just was always a leader in kindergarten. You know, I mean, we go out to the playground. I'd be sitting around and everybody go, hey, Dave, what are we going to do? All right. You know, and so then I gather everybody and just, that's just, I, even when I tried not to, I'd sit in the back and they go, Nelson, come here. I, all right, so I just have to lead. I always have led. And then, to be honest with you, I was just, I was a nice guy. I actually just liked people. I, is that funny? I mean, <laughs> but I, I did. I just kind of had this care even before anything God ever did in my life. And then the other thing that's been really weird is I look back at my life. What I have always done is start things. I'm not a manager. I start things. And when I look back at that, so when the invitation came to start a church, it was like, oh, leader, care about people, start things. That could be God. So who are you? How are you wired? What's your personality? I want to tell you right now, God's grace has worked in your heart naturally, and he will use the uniqueness of who he's made you to be for the unique hero that he wants you to be. But here's what's crazy. Some of you are already doing that. Naturally, you're, you're being who you are, and you're doing some cool stuff in the world. And that's very, that's awesome. But I want to tell you, God wants to do something supernaturally in you and through you. God wants to use you for his eternal purposes for people's lives to be reconnected to God. And there is a lot of natural good things that can happen, but it takes his spirit to supernaturally use you for his ultimate purposes. And that leads me to the second thing, is God's grace has worked in your heart spiritually. So God's working in your heart naturally, but He's also working in your heart spiritually. Romans twelve six says this. So when you become a follower of Christ, now let's, if you're a Christian here today, okay, you need to hear this. Romans twelve six says when you received God, Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit now lives inside you, and every single one of you now have been given a gift. Romans twelve six says we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Okay. So there's that grace thing again. You didn't. So again, you don't get to sign up and say, "Hey, I really like that tongues thing. That looks cool. You know? Hey, could I do the miracles and the healing? Because then people would really, you know, yeah, Oh man, you gave me service. Bummer. You know. But you have no say. It's by His grace. First Corinthians 12:11 says, "All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Just as He determines." God's grace is at work in your heart spiritually. And every one of you has a gift given for the unique hero he wants you to be. Now, he's working in you, and I just want to say, here's where I just need to say. Um, you guys, if you're a disciple of Christ, Jesus makes this really clear. Someday, there's these parables that Jesus gave about talents, and I think it has to do with finances. I think it has to do with the financial gifts that he gives to you and how you use those for him. But there's no question that all soul has to do with the gifts that he's given you so that he could work through you, so that he could use you to partner with him for the world. And I just want to say, you are critical. You in your personality In your circumstance, you live where you live, you work where you live, you are the person you are so that God could come in and work in you so that he could use you uniquely for his purposes. And if if K2 is your church, can I just tell you, I, I know, I just, you are critical to the life of this church, every single one of you. And you may not feel that, but I'm telling you, you are. Just read the scripture and you'll find out. You are a piece of the body of K2, the church. And it's only as each part does its work. That's how I, this, that's why this body's working, right? Because every part of it is connected to its life and it's doing what it was created to, to do. And I just want to encourage you, man. Someday, when we all do stand before him, you're going to want to be able to stand before him and just go, God, thanks for the grace of giving me this gift that I got to use for you. And I can't believe that you used me. The word I use all the time, you guys, is I can't believe the privilege it is to have God want me to join with him to be a hero to be involved in the saving and the rescuing of people's lives. Seriously. Can I really, seriously, every one of you who's a follower of Jesus, do you want anything else? Do you want to be involved in anything else? And here's the cool part. You had no say in what you bring to the game Naturally or spiritually, it's all God's grace. But now what he needs is people who will say, take me, I'm yours. Use me, God. And some of your gifts freak you out. Some of you are discovering in them and you literally want other ones. But God is working in you. And here's how you know what a spiritual gift is. When you exercise it, other people are blessed. When you use it, the people around you will say, thank you. That's how you find it. And I'm telling you, start using it. Start trying things. Be around people who are spiritually mature, who can help you discern what you're good at and what God has gifted you at. Because you are. Because God loves the world and he needs heroes. And here's the last thing is God's grace, though, is working in your heart's character. See, Moses had the passion, man. He had the heart. What he didn't have was the character. <laughs> he, and here's what's wild. So here's this, man, there's something wrong. I'm going to go do something about it. Like, kill people, right? And God's like, dude, I, I love your passion. Um, got a problem with your execution. So let's work on this. So he went from royalty to being a fugitive to eventually being an alien, living in a whole nother land for 40 years. He went from taking things into his own hands into complete submission to God's hands. Can I say that again? Moses went, I gotta read it again. (laughs) Moses went from taking things into his own hands to completely submitting himself into God's hands. There's only one hero. And it's God. And all human heroes are simply the ones that are broken from themselves. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember that one you guys? Poor in spirit. It's not about me anymore. No more hot dog buns. God, I can't wait to unpack that message with you guys because every day, every day now, I feel like God's just showing me when I live for me and when I'm actually walking with him. And what God needs are people who are going to stop living for themselves and literally just live for him by faith. And here's what's cool is he'll take anybody. You know what's wild, you guys, is in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says, this is way later, you know, three books later in the Old Testament after he's been leading, it says, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. He wasn't humble when he was taking those guys down. But God is going to work in your character to get you to a place in the essence, I think, of Christ. In Philippians 2, the essence of Christ, and it tells us to have the same attitude, was that he never, ever, ever did anything for himself. But whatever the Father told him to do, He did. And he's the only one who's done that perfectly. And because he executed that attitude of complete humility, he saved the world. And so, what God's going to do now is take your heart, your natural heart, your spiritual gifts, and now he's going to work on your character. That's the one I don't like. I'll be honest with you, man. I made a really interesting decision when I was in California during that really dark time. I had these four prayers I prayed all the time. God, would you give me your vision, not mine. Give me your vision. And by the way, the whole dream for this church happened in that pit. Give me your dream, your vision. Help me to learn what I need to learn. And then I prayed this third one. I said, give me the character to handle the vision. Oh, don't pray that unless you mean it but I'm serious though you don't want a vision that you don't have the character to be able to handle and still to this day I know God's still working that's what he did this summer for me he's still working on my character to be able to be the man he's called me to be and just remember this suffering produces perseverance and perseverance gives character it's the testing of your faith that, that develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so you'll be mature and complete and lack nothing. A true hero, the ones that God can use to help redeem and rescue and save are the people who have no personal agenda, who've packed away their hot dog buns and said, I'm not going to live to be happy and demand God to make me that way. I I'm going to live for him. And you guys, Christ died so that you would no longer live for yourself but for him because he's rabid about redeeming this world and loving people back to himself. And he could use Moses and we're going to see how he did it as we go through these next few weeks and he could use you. So here's how we're going to close today as the band comes up. Is we're going to take communion today. And the reason we're going to take communion is because you need to be reminded today, right now, the reason again, the reason that Jesus Christ died. So he's you know, he took all of his disciples and he's sitting around them and he looks at him. and he says, "Now guys, here's my here's this bread and this symbolizes my body." And I want to tell you right now, this body of mine is broken for you. I'm giving myself completely for you. Take and eat. Take and get that inside you where you now know, holy smokes, God loves me because I am a screwball and he loves me enough to give his whole body for me. Yes. Remember that today. Okay? But why did he give his body, and why do you ingest it so you can now know Christ is living inside you? That one who never lives for himself but always does whatever God says, that hero is inside you, creating you, using you, wanting you to be a hero. So when you take the bread and you put it in, just go, God, please live that life out of me now. (laughs) And then the blood, he goes, now here's the cup, and I'm going to shed my blood for you because I'm going to forgive you totally for all your screw-ups. Totally, completely everything. So if you're sitting here today and you go, there's no way I could be a hero. Look at me. Do you guys know what I did last night? I am so stuck in this pattern. And you're still getting beat up. Jesus' communion today is to remind you, dude, I've forgiven you. Man, take and remember, because he knew you'd forget. Get caught up in self, you'll you'll, woe is me, I'm horrible. No, you're a child of God and he loves you. And he wants you to be a hero. And you can walk out of here today and say, man, what have I been living for? What have I been living for? So as they come and as the band leads, go ahead and take take communion. It will be passed for you. And enjoy this time and just get to a place here right now, you guys, where we'd say, God, take me and use me. Take me and use me. Make me a hero.